Hi there, listeners, and welcome to another edition of Hatched. This is a program where we hear the stories of startups from the front lines of e-commerce and digital innovations. I'm Haley. Today, I have with me Pam Shacker from Amaya Textiles. Pam and her husband Bob founded Amaya 12 years ago with a desire to create and sell clothing that is distinctive, comfortable, and timeless. Handmade in India, her clothing line is now sold around the world. Welcome to the program, Pam. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, So first question, what gave you the idea to start Amaya? Well, we had, my husband was headmaster of an international school, and we had a lot of Indian friends. Eventually, we, at their behest, we went to um, India, mainly to a wedding of a daughter of good friends who was a, went to school with our boys. And so it was the travel to India, really, that got me started. We went to this wedding where the women just wore these most beautiful, vibrant colors, and the fabrics were so lightweight and flowing, and I just fell in love with it all. And uh, then I discovered the handwork as well. Um, so, you know, we living in Europe, we always wore sort of dark, dull colors. And there we were in India with all these beautiful, bright colors. So I was really enamored. And I've always loved textiles. Uh, from the time I was a young child, I would comment on certain things. Um, so I know this has been a... Um, I've come full circle, let's put it like that. <laughs> a few, few careers, but this is sort of the culmination and, and the most fun I've had, I think. There you go. So, yeah. So then we, also when I was there, um, I got to visit uh, with a friend of mine some homes of other women she knew. And they had these gorgeous hand-woven shawls and embroidered tops. And so I just, well, I went nuts over them for starters. But I also liked the fact that they were giving back to their villages. These women all came originally, their families all, all came originally from villages to the city of Bombay. And so these women would take all the profits from selling these things and give it back to the people and, and the village they came from. And I, I found that very touching. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and how has the clothing line evolved over the years? Anyway, it's a long, long evolution. Um, after I fell in love with these textiles, um, my daughter-in-law said to me, oh, you really have to do something with this. So I started bringing back a few handmade things, mostly um, home furnishings, tablecloths, placemats, pillow covers. And then I went to do a trade show uh, for um, home furnishings. And um, I always wore, I did two of them, I always wore something rather Indian, embroidered. And most of the women were uh, buyers, and most of them were much more interested in what I was wearing than <laughs> what I was selling. So, so I, we decided we needed to change course. And so that's what we did. We decided, sorry, we'd focus on the clothing. And not just focus on the clothing, but focus on the incredible crafts and the artisans that make these clothes. Um, and how unique they are to the um, handwork that's on them. You know, there are a lot of clothes out there that are are machine-made, machine-embroidered, and we really wanted to be special and bring this handwork um, to the United States. And so we started with one shirt, and now we have a line of dresses and tops and tunics, all from pure cotton or pure silk, um, using natural dyes, um, which are all environmentally friendly, and we feel this is very important um, Mm -hmm. in this day and age. 
Absolutely. And that's awesome that you kind of changed your business to see what the customers kind of wanted, liking your clothes and having it go yes. into something really special for you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, you, you live, as they say, live and learn. And sometimes you have to change course and do something that's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Projects evolve over time. Uh, mm-hmm. Next question as well. Um, how did you go about finding artisans to make your clothing handmade? Well, um, we developed friends, friends of friends in India, and we were introduced to um, some people by friends who had been in the business a long time, and they had connections to these women in the villages who do this special embroidery. So we were able to make the products and then send them to the villages for um, embroidery. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we have probably the best artisans um, in the field right now. Um, traditionally, you know, the, um, they've carried on this tradition, which is started in Persia centuries ago. And because of it, most of the embroidery is made by Muslim women and some men. But the printing is all done by Hindus. So they each have their own sort of um, expertise that carries on from generation to generation. And that's really what we're trying to do, keep it going for generations to come to give them work and to keep the crafts going because so much of the world has lost their craft work, their handiwork. Hmm. Yeah, passing on the project. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, we're lucky to have wonderful agents who help us in the workshops, Mm -hmm. bring it all together. And do you give your artisan specific instructions on what to make? Well, we give the ideas for the prints and the colors and the style and the embroidery designs, but we really do work together. For example, we, we um, explain to them exactly where we want the embroidery. You know, do we want it around the neck? Do we want it around the hem? Do we want it on the sleeves, the back, whatever? And then we choose the style of embroidery as well. Um, we, we, some of them are very old style. They're based on um, the old carved windows that you see um, in Indian pictures or if you've been to India. And um, some are, are based on uh, florals and, and things that you see in nature, as, the, as our prints are as well. Um, our black prints are all done on cotton, and the um, screen prints on silk. We develop our own prints this way. Now, some of them are traditional, and some of them are, I would say, part, partially at least created by us. Um, the... Um, it's a long, long, long process, of course, um, because you have to, I don't know if you know this or not, but they have to, car- for a block print, they have to carve the piece of wood first um, in the design that they want or we want to be printed. Mm-hmm. And then they take a plain sheet of cotton, it's very long, and they dip the um, block into um, color dye and print it on the um, fabric. And sometimes it's, you know, four or five colors on top of each other. So you can imagine they really have to be expert in where they place it. Mm -hmm. And likewise, the um, silks are all done by screen. The screens have to be cut in metal. And then they place it on the silk, long sheet of silk, and do one color at a time as well. So it's a really, really long process. And then they have to do the handwork, and it has to be put together by this people who sew them and stitch them and then they have to be washed and they have to be packaged so it takes probably three months 
for us to get anything. Wow, interesting. I always thought it would be sketched and then put on, and I, I never knew about all the processes <laughs> of the printing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, d- you can do digital prints, but we don't. We don't tend to do that. We we like the old-fashioned way of doing of doing it. <laughs> Wonderful. And how did you first start selling the items, and how do you sell them now? <laughs> You're gonna laugh at this. <laughs> so um, I did. I failed at the um, home furnishings. So then we started with clothes. We came back with probably one shirt that I absolutely loved, embroidered all over. And um, we decided we'd see if any of the shops were interested. So we drove around the coastal towns <laughs> and asked people in shops if they would be interested. No kidding. Oh, wow. And then, then we discovered trade shows. So we started doing trade shows. And in the beginning, we were at one trade show, which and people were complaining about our price point. Um, so then we moved to another trade show, and that was good. But then we've now moved to what's um, considered the top of the line called Coterie. And um, there people are happy to pay, well, happy to pay our price, I should say. But, <laughs> um, they've been fairly successful. We've sold a lot to boutiques um, that way, of course. Um, and now we're um, selling things online as well. We do sell some exclusive designs uh, to some catalogs. Uh, okay. So that, that's currently what we're doing. And do you sell on Amazon too, or other third-party sites, or exclusively? No, we we thought about Amazon, but you get lost on Amazon. There's so much, and our stuff really is more special. I hate to say that <laughs> than what's sold on Amazon because of all the handwork. I don't think people who are looking for something on Amazon really get that. It has to be a specialty boutique or mm-hmm. a special catalog or in a special resort or something like that. Right. So we, we do use a company on the West Coast called Fashwire. Um, they're connected with Google as well. Um, and they've been good for us. And then we've done a collaboration with a jewelry company, which is fun because people can see how the products are worn, both the jewelry and the clothes. And then we have our own e-commerce site. So we're, we're trying to cover it. <laughs> And what have you learned about selling online versus through the traditional stores and your catalogs and the trade shows? We have learned a lot. <laughs> it's a long process. It's, you know, it's, it's always a learning process, and it never ends. Um, but the trade shows are becoming more and more challenging. Um, they're very expensive for people like us to do, mm-hmm. and it's expensive for the buyers to, there's so many trade shows all over the country. It's very expensive for buyers to travel around, stay in hotels, and, you know, look for things to buy. The trade shows are often very big, and they have to wander all over the place. So it's getting harder and harder. There's less foot traffic at each show. Mm-hmm. Um So that's, you know, something that's beginning to change. Um, there's... Uh, over time, um, the online way seems to be a better way to approach things now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have to go a long way to get your brand name out there. And, and so that you're a known quantity, so people will actually come to you or look for you online. And that takes, you know, that takes some doing. Mm-hmm. It's been a long learning process. We work with our, with our warehouse, real warehouse. Um, my husband does all the financials, so he's had to learn all the software and the technology that goes with it and we have to keep track of inventory 
and then the warehouse knows our inventory. The warehouse takes the orders in and ships things out for us, which is a big, big help. Uh, but we still have a fair amount of work to do on this side as well. Mm-hmm. And then I imagine online marketing is a huge aspect too. What types of online marketing have you pursued? It is a huge huge part of this mm-hmm. and again we're sort of new at all of this we've come to, to it rather late um, we have a sales director who helps she's always out there searching for new um, opportunities for us and she's wonderful and then we have somebody who does our social media she posts everything on the social media sites for us and she's wonderful and then we have a wonderful fantastic website and internet marketing person or company I should say we deal mostly with one person. And all between all three of them, they have really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, just getting your name out there. Yeah, it's the big first step for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, has the transition to a more robust online presence been overall extremely difficult, or do you think it's starting to get a little bit easier more and more? I can't say it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lengthy process, and it's a learning process. Right. It, it takes time and, and some help, mm-hmm. which I've just told you about, and mm-hmm. we're very happy. We're very lucky. We feel very fortunate to have such great um, help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's always a work in progress. I think that's true for anybody coming into a business. It, it's all a big learning process. And I, I think that the person in charge, like myself and my husband, more me, I think, um, have to stay on top of things and be sure that everything's going the way you want it to go. You can't, not not that you have to be overly controlling, but mm-hmm. you have to oversee things so that you're sure that this person's doing what you wish and that person is. And you can't just let it go and give it off to them. You have to really stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. And how do you see Amaya growing in the future? Well... I see great potential for us. <laughs> um, I, I feel our potential is really only beginning to be tapped. It's so difficult to get your name out there. and There's so much competition around, so you have to keep coming up with ideas to show people how, that you're unique and different from other people, not just more of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, new designs, new colors, new prints, but in our case, um, and it's uh, trying to get new venues for your um, for your products. Mm-hmm. But I do see great potential for online and for other avenues of growth other than the specialty shops. Mm-hmm. And lastly, uh, uh, would you like to speak to your Educating for Empowerment initiative? I would. <laughs> <laughs> so on top of supporting all these wonderful artisans who do this incredible work for us, who we support so they really have a better life than they used to, the women, a lot of women, so who never had money for themselves, now do, and they can afford to take care of their children, and the family eats better, and all of that. And as a byproduct of all of this, my husband and I are retired educators, and when I thought about what we can do more to help I thought, well, the natural thing is to give scholarships um, to girls who could not otherwise afford to carry on with school. All countries offer an elementary education, as we would call it. But when they finish that and want to go on to high school or higher education, in most places they have to go to boarding school. And boarding school costs money that they can't afford. So we're trying to um, 
choose, we choose children um, in slums and in the poor villages uh, who we want to send to school, you know, bright scholars. And um, we have children in Afghanistan, uh, Kenya, and India uh, that we're sending to school now. And it's, you know, my pleasure, really, um, to do this. I wouldn't care if we were completely a nonprofit. It means so much to me. And to see these girls blossom is just, it's just wonderful feedback. Makes you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And thank you, Pam, so much for joining us today and to talk about everything that you do. You're very welcome. I hope it's helpful to some others. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it will be. (laughs) okay awesome okay thank you thank you yeah bye Bye. Bye. thank you listeners for joining me today i hope you enjoyed the interview please visit the hatchet marketplace at hatchet.us to find other e-commerce related businesses of interest have a great day